Good morning, friends. It's your boy, Akandi Adirale from Port Save Africa. And today we have a bunch of interesting stories to share. A lot has been happening on the continent, and it's our job at Port Save Africa to keep you guys up to date with what's going on. We'll be talking about the Nigerian activist, Omar Ali Story, who was rearrested just hours after being released on bail from a court. We'll then also roll into the Nigerian social media bill and what that might mean for the Nigerian people. We will then go over to South Africa and discuss South African Airways, the national carrier, and how they currently ended up in bankruptcy protection. And then finally, we will discuss this new thematic uh, hype of Africa to the world and what that means for Africans and what Africans are doing to be part of that. I'll see you guys right after the intro. Welcome to Pod Save Africa. 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 Welcome. On to our first story. The Nigerian activist, Amayele Shore, was rearrested just hours after being released on bail. A video that's circulating online, um, reported by Sahara Reporters, uh, which is actually the, the, uh, the news outlet that Amayele uh, Shore founded and runs, um, shows Mr. Shore being uh, dragged and tussled with by uh, uh, the Department of, Security, of State Security Officers um, judges all over the place. Judges are running. Um, apparently, they ran into the court right after he was about to be released um, to try and rearrest him unlawfully. Um, the Nigerian act- human rights activist and a former presidential candidate has spent well over four months in jail under uh, dubious charges. Um, he was appearing in court while they, while they rearrested him. Um, he, like I just mentioned, is the founder of the New York-based publication Sahara Reporters, um, and then he was arrested following his when he following the organization of the Nationwide Revolution Now protests in August. Um, since then, he's been in custody. Um, one of the charges, some of the charges that were uh, leveled against him were treason, money laundering, and stalking the president. It's the last one I find um, quite remarkable. Um, he appeared in court on Friday. Um, after he was released on bail, <clears throat> and then during his appearance, uh, DSS agents uh, were, were rushed into the court and, and took him into custody. Um, it's unclear as to whether or not he was taken into custody at the court or whether it was shortly after that. But you could see a grand tussle of a lot of folks trying to stop him, people screaming, "Why? what are you doing here? Why are you arresting him? What has he done? Um, in fact, there's a, there's a little clip of the video where it shows somebody actually seeming to stick something or to poke him in his neck at some point, um, which was really unsettling to see. Um, and, and this is why he was tussling and, and he was you know, being thrown and dragged on the ground. Um, a lot of people have spoken out against this as far as two U.S. senators speaking out against um, the, the, the harm that seems to have been done to Sherry. My understanding is that he's a, he's a permanent resident of New Jersey um, in, in the United States. And... Uh, this is just a remarkably uh, serious indication because um, if, if, if people 
uh, who, who are seemingly not doing anything illegal but to criticize the president or to criticize the current administration um, are attacked in such a manner, um, primarily for reading, leaving, leading a revolution protest. Um, uh, it's, it's really concerning because, you know, complaining about your government, you know, acting, you know, demanding better governance should not be considered treason. And uh, seeing what happens with the, what's happening with the DSS um, under the current president, uh, Buhari, is, is very concerning. Um, please, I'll, we'll keep you definitely posted to the story. Um, hopefully, it gets reported. Um, our reporting has been uh, learned from the, by OK Africa. Um, Damala Durasoma wrote on the story. Now, that rolls out into the next thing. A lot of the outrage about this um, has come on social media. Um, social media has been a great platform for Africans um, all over the world. Actually, people all over the world to just consider and, you know, argue about their governments, um, express complaints, uh, to really, really leverage and organize against governments and against wrongdoing in the government. Um, as a result, a lot of governments truly have been, have been, um, have been worried, I guess, by social media because suddenly it adds a dynamic of united thoughts and quicker organization that they didn't have before. Uh, Nigeria in itself, the Nigerian Senate, is, is uh, currently considering um, two bills related to the, to the freedom of expression on the internet. Um, one actually proposes the death penalty for hate speech. Uh, my understanding is that that, uh, that clause has been reduced about the death penalty. Um, these bills, uh, supported by the, by the Nigerian government, seem to seem to indicate an alarming acceleration in, in the way that the authorities attempt to uh, censor and punish social media users for expressing their thoughts. Um, uh, and this, by the way, this reporting is coming from Amnesty International. The proposed uh, National Commission for the Prohibition of Hate Speech Bill, which is what uh, this commission is called, um, said that they are protecting, the, the bill is called the Protection from Internet Falsehood and Manipulation and Other Related Offenses Bill. Um, it seems to give the authorities uh, just free range to uh, cut off the internet and to limit access to social media and to actually make criticizing the government punishable by up to, up to three years in prison. Um, it's just seriously concerning if you see how social media was leveraged against the wrongdoings, against Shore. Um, it, it's concerning that they are attempting to clamp down on freedom of speech on the internet. Um, hopefully, there are measures that Nigerians can use to get around that. But um, one of the recurring strategies a lot of repressive governments seem to use around the world is to shut down the internet as soon as revolution is happening. Um, there are many examples around the world that you can point to that, that are followed in a very similar manner. Um, one, of the, one, of the, one of the things I will admit is that, yes, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of governments are trying to figure out how to regulate social media. And even in the United States, saying, you know, either these companies are too big, should they uh, verify the correctness of the, of the data they get? Um, do they, you know, how, how does that work? How does the government then find them or, or work with them? And, uh, and how does that work? Um, for some context, um, Facebook itself, um, it was under a lot of scrutiny because uh, the Christchurch sea killings in, in, uh, in New Zealand, um, rest in peace to those souls uh, that were lost, where, where a gunman live streamed him going into a mosque and, and killing a lot of uh, innocent uh, individuals. Um, 
Um, he live streams his activities on Facebook. So that's definitely a concern of, you know, who should have, somebody should have caught that and flagged that and taken it down immediately. Um, however, it was up online for, for a little while, enough for uh, lots of people to see that and for that to circulate. Um, now, that is certainly an extreme. Um, that is That would be a good reason to uh, go for regulation. And um, Germany has, has actually uh, installed a NETSG, NETSG? Uh, law uh, in about 2018 that, that, that apparently fines organizations for not investigating issues that have been complained about. Um, it's a lot more technical about that. I'm, I'm, it's a very brief summary, but and that's an example of how that's worked and how that's working in, in different countries. But um, the, the idea that you would just arbitrarily decide um, whether or not what people say online is good or bad, hate speech um, is concerning, especially because um, the government then also gets to decide that. So they can literally just pick and choose what they feel like is wrong and then have a legal, uh, a legal justification now for doing so. Hopefully this bill doesn't pass. If you're a Nigerian, we strongly recommend calling your senators. There are resources online for reaching out and finding every single senator. Somebody actually on Twitter created a, uh, a directory of every senator and their, their phone numbers. Um, and is encouraging them to call their senators and bug them. Um, I think that we have to be active participants in our democracy so that these uh, folks who lead us do not feel like they have free range to do whatever they like and to just bother us and bug us whenever. Um, if we are to improve, I think that we have to all get involved in our democracy and, and push the needle in the direction we wanted to push. Speaking of governments and... Uh, government-led airlines and trying to figure out a good way to segue. That probably wasn't the best one, but we're going to be going down south to South Africa. South African Airways has currently been uh, inducted into a form of bankruptcy protection, quite similar to what uh, Chapter 11 is in the, the United States. Um, it's technically called volunteer, voluntary whew, business rescue um, from, from about 94 to 2015. Uh, South Africa Airways was like, was always considered the best airline in, in Africa until you know Ethiopian Airlines emerged more recently and um, and has kind of been been the major airline. However, airlines are a very risky business, um, and and uh, even while South African Airlines was winning all the top awards, um, it, it was getting into a lot of debt. Um, apparently, the last time it made a profit was in two thousand and eleven. Um, the debt is over three point is over fifty seven billion rand, which is about three point nine billion dollars. Um, last week, the business, the, the South African Airways, went into that state of voluntary business rescue um, after the president of South Africa, Cyril Ramaphosa, chose to uh, move in that area because the the airline was cash strapped and and it has had a lot of of, uh, of of financial problems, as you can tell by the extreme debt it was in, um, it's it's kind of been a tough period for the airline. Um, the airline staff went on strike over on met pay demands. Um, the workers, you know, well, if your pilots don't fly, if your air hostesses are not there, um, flights get cancelled. So lots of flights got cancelled. Um, people, as a result of the uncertainty, stopped booking flights with them because they were concerned that their flights wouldn't or their tickets wouldn't be honored. 
Um, so, so basically, just a perfect storm for them and, and, and made things very difficult. Um, one thing I looked into as, as while researching this story is, is really airlines and what a business model looks like. Why is it so difficult? Why does it seem so difficult? And why, you know, why, why does it seem like, you know, why is this specific airline going into, into um, bankruptcy? I looked into Investopedia. They have this page about, you know, airlines and, and bankruptcy. And they said that, you know, you know, the airline industry has had quite a few of bankruptcies. In fact, if you're familiar with American Airlines, United or Delta, they have all at one point filed for some form of, of bankruptcy. And they typically recover by merging with other airlines. Um, the, the list of airlines that, that went bankrupt and we just don't know about them anymore is, is actually much longer. So um, it happens. It happens quite frequently on the international scale. So um, this is not a specific issue to, to the African continent or the African airlines. Um, it's, a, it's a very important service, you know, getting people from place to place. You know, I can't imagine um, choosing to drive most of the distances now that we, that we fly. Um, you know, it's a critical industry. And um, I looked into four reasons why a lot of airlines are, are, are struggling. Um, the first is high high fixed and variable costs. That means that, you know, buying, even buying the first, the resources they need to start in the first place, like the planes. Planes cost a lot of money, guys. I, I, I didn't think so, but, you know, oof, those 747s, Airbuses, Boeings, all that stuff is expensive. Um, in, in, to a degree that I didn't even, I didn't even anticipate, I would say. I'm just kind of looking into some of those costs and, you know, buying fuel, paying for air hostess, paying for so So they always have a lot of costs. Um, second thing is that the second reason is that um, a lot of airlines that are unprofitable continue to fly. So that kind of warps the market. So essentially why they fly is that um, a case in point, like South African Airways, you know, that's airlines are profitable. And most other industries, if you're unprofitable, you die. We all forget about you. The guys who, who are profitable take the spoils, buy assets, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the, the unprofitable airlines um, continuing to fly is often for a few reasons. One, because it's, it's airlines. So, you know, like these guys are employing thousands of people. They are, you know, having so many, they have so many, you know, people beholden to them. They have so many people that have their, you know, money invested in those airlines. are like, you know, let's just try and figure out keeping this on because if, if the airline collapses, they lose literally everything. Um, and sometimes the government, like in this case, steps in and says, you know, we are going to keep these guys up because they're a national character, car, uh, carrier. They're important for our tourism. They, they, the airline itself may be unprofitable, but they help the country in, in other different ways by getting goods and services back and forth. Um, so that's the second reason. The third reason is that literally a lot of stuff can affect demand, right? So case in point, like we just mentioned, with this airline, the, when the people went on strike, and I'm not saying that the people went on strike for, for, for pay reasons um, are bad or, or are the ones who, you know, cause the airline to struggle, but events like that cause, um, cause the, 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 the airlines to suddenly lose a lot of money. So things like that can make the airlines lose a lot of money. In fact, there's an interesting fact about when um, the uh, the ask cloud was over Europe in two thousand and maybe seven two thousand seven or some sometime in the last decade. Anyways, um, the ask cloud a, a volcano erupted in Greenland or Iceland, um, you know, exploded. There's an ask cloud. Uh, flights couldn't fly, and apparently airlines collectively lost like 
three plus billion dollars. So um, literally anything, you know, 9-11, when 9-11 happened, um, lots of people weren't flying because of the fear and, and the worry um, at the time. And airlines lost, you know, seven plus billion dollars. So literally any major event will suddenly affect uh, 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 the, the airline. And when you take losses that large on, some, on just a single event, um, you know, it, it gets uh, really bad. And then the final one is, as you are probably aware, my very, very, very good friends um, all over the world listening to Potsy Rafka, I would love you, by the way, um, is that most airlines don't have a great reputation. That's just the truth. You know, you go on the airline, sometimes, you know, if one, first of all, I'm a, I'm a tall guy. I'm, my name is Akendi Adirli. And if you've met me, I'm somewhere between 6'3", I tell my friend 6'4". But sitting in the airlines is generally a very uncomfortable experience. I, I can't tell you that if I chose to spend my time somewhere, it would be on a plane uh, with my knee right up against the person's seat. And then the person in front of me is always trying to back their seat up. And then we're doing that little tussle where I, I knock my knee into the chair. Just get up, my friend. What are you doing? Uh, because the person is trying to constrain my space. But the point is that it's not a particularly remarkably good experience for the vast majority of airlines. Um, these guys are trying to you know, save as much money and do all that stuff. Um, air hostesses sometimes and air hostesses and hair hosts and hair, hair everybody <laughs> did I say hair man my Yoruba is coming out anyways lots of lots of lots of people involved in the service part of the airline industry are just not very fun to deal with you know you call American Airlines or any airline today you'll be on hold for at least an hour you know so they haven't prioritized so this is more like their fault they haven't prioritized uh, improvements in service, partly because it's expensive to do so. Um, and that means that folks, one, one aren't, I think, one, aren't willing to um, pay more. And then two, it makes them more, more affected by um, all of the above, right? So um, if you don't have a great service, but it's a necessary service, you have a lot of people that you miss out on by, by people feeling like it's not just a great experience. Um, so yeah, that covers it for that. Just give me a context on why South African Airways is in the situation it is. You know, I'm a business-minded person, so I love to think about what the what the uh, internal ramifications, what's going on behind the scenes. Take you behind the scenes, as Pot Save Africa. Yeah, I'd like to take you behind the scenes, and um, let us roll on to our next story. So finally, we are going to talk about this movement, this craze of Africa to the world. Um, there are a lot of things this past year that are indicative of the fact that Africa or the African continent and its people, its countries and its citizens are a lot more visible, um, both by the action of the external community looking inward and us really uh, producing beautiful, amazing art that we've always produced um, making deals and, and building relationships uh, internationally to work specifically on our, our, visi on our, our visibility. Um, the first of the, of the things I'd like to point out is uh, Cardi B visiting Ghana and Nigeria and performing at the Lifespot X Festival. Um, I think one thing that's unique specifically about her visit is that a lot of folks visit Africa, have visited Africa for a long time, you know, Jay-Z, Beyonce, everybody. Um, and one, we're in the social media age, so it's easier to market or to display what you're doing. And she's one of those individuals that's extremely public about her experiences, her life. I mean, what we've seen so far from her time in Nigeria is that she seems to be promoting the fact that she's having a lot of fun in the country. Um, she's having a great time. She's showing all the things she loves. And in a great way, serving us a lot of marketing for, for, uh, 
for the Nigerian continent better, much better, a lot of people would say than the Nigerian government itself is doing. Well, we we'll leave that to another day. Um, and and really marketing this idea of, you know, hey, this is a great place, a fun place for you to go, enjoy, have a good time. I think that's going to resonate to our millions of followers on social media. Um, and a lot of Africans and Nigerians are happy about uh, seeing uh, their continent portrayed in, in, in a great way. So um, that's one indicator, indicator. Moving on to Ghana, our uh, over two countries neighbor. Um, they are inducting 126 people as citizens into the country, and they're also naming this year as the year of the return. They have huge celebrations, uh, huge uh, events, huge festivals going on in Ghana this December. If you happen to be going, have a swell time. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, they are specifically being purposeful about inducting people and being and working hard to to bolster their tourism industry. Um, President Nana Akufo-Addo um, uh, said they, they, those confirmed with citizenship, conferred with citizenship, joined a generation of diasporans, including uh, civil rights leader uh, uh, Webb Dubois and uh, uh, American poet Maya Angelou, who lived in the country as well. So um, this has been, as you said, having for a very long time but they're seeing a purposeful approach towards inducting people, especially um, our, our, our brothers and sisters from the diaspora who um, love to learn about the continents that, 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 that their ancestry is from. Um, is a phenomenal way to, to see this happening. So um, for those of you going this in the next couple of weeks to December, uh, in, uh, in December to, to uh, Ghana or to Nigeria, please have fun. Um, sounds like a great time. Uh, that sounds excellent. Uh, moving on to uh, the other indicator is that Rwanda has signed a second major branding deal, uh, another visit Rwanda deal with uh, PSG. Um, they signed this deal with uh, the, the, the large club Paris Saint-Germain. It's the second of such deals. Uh, the first one they signed was with Arsenal. If you look at the Arsenal team on their sleeves, they all wear a patching visit to Rwanda. Apparently that, that, uh, that deal was worth about $39 million. And this is a drive to make itself more visible to a team that has played that plays and is watched by millions of people on a weekly basis. Um, it's an interesting approach to it. Um, the deal with uh, Rwanda is apparently goes over three years and it's worth uh, somewhere between nine and $11 million as, as reported by Reuters. Um, so it's, it's, it's a great, uh, phenomenal uh, indication and, and uh, you see them kind of working and being purposeful about with increasing exposure. Um, the back end to that too is that us, we, in, our, in, in developing our tourism industry, we have to make sure that the countries are incredibly accessible. Um, we're working on our infrastructure to get people around. Um, we have our monuments taking care of our history, you know, preserve and things of that nature because there's a lot to see on the African continent and it's nice, it's nice to see things moving what seems to be in the right direction. The other thing is Banabar got nominated for a Grammy in the, in the international albums uh, category. It's phenomenal news. It's my favorite album of the year um, in my Spotify um, listening. Uh, he was actually my, my uh, artist of the year. I listened to him like 8,000 plus minutes, which is probably um, less uh, than a lot of folks. And actually it wasn't 8,000, it was 800 plus minus, but that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. It's, it's less than a lot of folks, but I listen to Burning Boy a lot, makes exceptional music, and it's nice to see that being recognized on a global stage. Um, he's also part of a international label now, Atlantic Records, and um, just seeing the appreciation of our artists, um, the, the point that we can sell is phenomenal. 
Um, I'd like to see how that translates into more opportunities for people on the continent, for artists on the continent. Um, maybe maybe these uh, major labels and industries become more global. Maybe a Nigerian label can then uh, make the leap, or an African label can make the leap to being a global label that even signs artists from abroad and, and things of that nature and makes them popular and uh, brings value, basically. So I'm excited for all the possibilities this holds. Um, the final thing is that straight to the money, you know I love business, you know I love talking about it, um, is the, uh, there has been an 11% increase in foreign di di uh, direct investments. Um, we're at about $46 billion from $46 billion in, in 2018, which is an 11% increase over, over the last year. The report comes out in 2019, talking about 2018, which compares it to 2017, sorry. But it's a good, it's a really good direction. Um, um, while a lot of FDI and most uh, in, in a lot of countries around the world reduced over the past year or two. Um, and even with the fact that FDI reduced in Nigeria and, and Egypt, um, a lot of money flowed into, into a lot of other countries, especially South Africa. So um, this is a great indicator that money is going into the right places. Now, there's a background argument to this. Is that money coming from China? What does that mean? Is that money coming from sources that are looking to invest in, in, in kind of the increased uh prosperity of african people is that just let's 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 put money into grab resources and to leave but um every investment i'd imagine or you can assume once a return um and seeing what that relationship looks like and seeing if it's beneficial for the person or for the people's being invested in is very critical so um we've covered a bunch of stories we're taking all the way from nigeria and uh the what seems to be a repression of uh, human rights to the social media bill, the the uh, uh, repression of online rights, to discussing what the business of airways looks like and how that's affected South African airways, and then we've discussed Africa to the world. Thank you for uh, listening in to me speak. It's just me this day, and uh, it's Sunday, uh, December eighth, and this has been Akandia Daily with Port Save Africa. Thank you very much. Check out our website, SaveAfricaPod.com. We actually have these interesting. Uh, uh, Pod Save Africa blogs per episode that you can just read if you're at work, you're unable to uh, kind of pop in the, the, the listen for, for the 30 minutes we, we put it out for and um, learn more about us and what we do. Truly appreciate you. Uh, and you have a phenomenal, phenomenal day. Follow us on Instagram at Pod Save, at Pod Save Africa um, on Instagram. Thank you very much and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.